You're listening to a podcast by Real Church and Pastor Noah Fritchie in Murfreesboro, Illinois. I want to thank you for joining us today, and I hope this message inspires you and builds your faith. Enjoy, and God bless. If you've been with us for the past three weeks or so, we've been talking uh, uh, really in a series of talks about uh, old school characters in the Bible, Old Testament characters in the Bible. And uh, today I've got, a, I got one that I'm pretty excited about to share with you this morning. Um, but before we get into that, I just want to set up for those of you who maybe you miss a week or two and uh, you're, you're not really sure where we are on this, this series we've been talking about uh, in really grabbing life lessons from a specific character every week out of the Old Testament. And these are really just old school characters that we know of, that we've probably grown up with. Um, and uh, we specifically, we've been looking at one verse every week, uh, really a chapter and then, a, uh, and then the next verse after that. In Hebrews chapter 11, there's something called the Hall of Fame of faith that lists a lot of people in the Bible who essentially are up in heaven and cheering us on. In fact, here's what the Bible says. It says, therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, meaning that these people are in heaven, they're looking down on us and they're cheering us on. The Bible goes on to say that let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. And I've told you every week of this series to just imagine with me this grand stand of people, a bunch of, uh, all these people, all these people of faith who have gone before us, they're all in heaven looking down on us and cheering us on as we really go through our life race. And really that's what life feels like, especially right now. It feels like we're all in a race to get somewhere. And uh, just imagine a grandstand of people looking at us and cheering us on. That's really where the idea of this series came from. And really where, what we talked about was that it's great to have all those people cheering us on, but it's not so great if we don't know what they're saying. Because what we know about a crowd is that when a crowd all speaks at one time, when they're all yelling at the same time, you hear the crowd, but you don't hear what the individual person is saying. And so we said, what would it be like if we could just pull one person at a time out of the stands, if they could come down and just sit next to us, and if they could just be with us in service, what would each of them say? And every week of this series, that's what we're doing. We're pulling different men and women of the faith out, and we're going to let them run essentially on the track right next to us. And hopefully they can teach us something. And really the idea of this series is to reduce their whole life story down to just a few things that can keep us going on this race called life. And so today, I get to introduce to you not just a great person in the Bible, but the last two weeks we've talked about great men of the Bible, and all you women are going to love me because today we are talking about a great woman of faith today. And I think that is, uh, it, it's not talked, women are not talked about enough in the Bible. And so today we're going to talk about a woman named Rebecca. Rebecca. Now, Rebecca, you may have heard of her. Maybe you just know the name. Uh, some people know of her story. You probably, I don't know if you've ever heard, this is kind of a, 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 a small story in the Bible, but this story that I'm about to give you with Rebecca, it has some huge principles that I believe that we can pull out of it. To give you an idea of who Rebecca was, you all probably have heard of Father Abraham before. You probably sang the song, Father Abraham had many sons and many sons. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah, I, I, you probably sang the song, heard that in Sunday school. Well, Rebecca is Abraham's daughter-in-law. 
So it is Isaac's wife. And so we pick up the story right before Isaac gets married to Rebecca. Um, but in order for you to know about Rebecca, you have to know about Abraham. So let me tell you a little bit about Abraham. Abraham uh, was called by God to be the father of many nations is literally what God told him, that he would be the father of many nations. And we find out that uh, if you study Abraham's life, Abraham is called to be the father of many nations, but he doesn't even have a son. Finally, at 100 years old, God gives him a son. Can you imagine having a kid at 100 years old? I mean, that's, so that's Abraham waited. It was until he was 100 years old, he finally had a son. And we pick up the story where his son is now getting older. His son hasn't found a wife yet. And Abraham, who is supposed to be the father of many nations, is concerned. Because he's concerned that his bloodline, where, if his bloodline is going to make it through the next generation. And so today we're going to look at this small story in Genesis that really has so much truth. And really I believe that Rebecca, uh, if she would join us today, I think she would, she would say something. And I think not only would she say it, but I think if every person in the Bible could join us today, I believe that every person in the Bible would say the same thing Rebecca is going to say. In fact, 15% of the Gospels are on this truth that I'm about to preach about. 15%. Half of Jesus' parables are on this statement. In fact, if I would teach, if I would teach about this topic at the rate uh, of how much the Bible talks about it, about one of every five of my messages would be on this topic. In fact, this topic that I'm about to give you is mentioned twice as much as heaven and hell in the Bible. Yeah, I believe this statement... This is a statement that I believe really every person in heaven would say. Here's what we're talking about today. If Rebecca could join us, I think she would say, for when people ask for your help, give generously. Just give. Give generously to others. In other words, I think she would say just to invest your life with an eternal perspective. And not just money. So whenever we get into this generosity topic, I think there's a fear of, oh, the pastor wants your money. That's not what it is at all. It's not, I'm not just going to talk about money today, but I'm also going to talk about your time, your attention, your attention to other people, your, your hugs, your encouraging words. I think Rebecca would just tell us just to give and give generously. And I think if Rebecca could be with us today, I think Rebecca would tell us the impact that her generosity had on her life. In fact, we read this small story in Genesis where there's one small act that changed history. One small generous act that Rebecca did changed history. And so let me set up the story for you. I already told you a little bit about Abraham and Abraham's getting old. Abraham's concerned that he's not going to be the father of many nations because Isaac is getting older. Isaac doesn't have a wife, but Abraham is nervous about, he, he wants, Abraham wants Isaac to have a wife, but he's nervous about it. Um, in fact, Abraham or Isaac is Abraham's only child. So there's a little only child syndrome there. And uh, so Abraham is just really latched on to, to Isaac. And I think there's two reasons why he's, why Isaac hasn't found a wife. It's, I think it's because it, well, one of the reasons is because in their culture, uh, back in the old Testament culture, it was a custom for your parents to actually pick out your spouse. And some of you, you're like, oh, 
I'm glad that didn't happen. Like, I, I, I don't want that to happen. But some of you parents who are older, maybe you, you probably kind of wish you could. Like, I was still accustomed. I don't, wherever you are in that spectrum, that was their culture in the day, is that your mom and dad would just pick out your spouse. And uh, it, it's interesting how, how it all works. But anyway, that's, I think that's one of the reasons why Abraham was so reluctant, uh, why Isaac wasn't married yet and getting so much older. I also think Abraham was just genuinely concerned about Isaac. Isaac just wandering off. Like, I just don't want, uh, I don't want Isaac to wander off and just never come back. I think there was a genuine fear probably there. And so Abraham comes up with this plan. Genius plan Abraham has. Abraham takes, uh, he, he calls this chief servant to him and says, uh, servant, I, I, I need you to go out and I need you to go find Isaac a wife. And so the servant now has this this burden on him to find Isaac a wife. And Abraham loads up 10 camels for the servant to take with all these goods, including uh, all this fine jewelry for him to take with him. And he sends the servant off to find Isaac a wife. Could you just imagine with me how much pressure there would be to find someone else's wife? Like, he not only does this servant have to please Abraham, but he's also got to please Isaac to an extent, too. Like, there is this pressure on this servant to find Isaac a wife. And so we pick up the story right here in Genesis chapter 24, where it talks about, it says, uh, here's the servant. It says, the servant prayed, Oh, Lord, God of my master Abraham. Give me success today and show kindness to my master, Abraham. And then this guy does something that I probably wouldn't recommend you doing. He does something that in the Old Testament, it was called just putting out a fleece, which literally means that this guy is basically making a bargain with God through prayer. He's saying, okay, God, okay, if, if this happens, if this specific thing happens, then I, I'll know what to do. And so I, I don't recommend that today because it, I, I, it, doesn't, it doesn't work all that much today, mainly because this, this whole putting out of fleece and bargaining with God is really just an Old Testament method because in the Old Testament, God's people, they didn't have the Holy Spirit inside of them. Now today we have the Holy Spirit inside of us that talks to us, that, that helps us move forward, that, that gives us direction. And so now the Holy Spirit can guide us, but you really don't see people putting out a fleece in the Old Testament like that. You don't see people really bargaining with God anymore in the New Testament. And so, But that's what this guy does. He puts out a fleece. He says, see, I'm standing beside the spring and the daughters of the townspeople are coming out to draw water. May it be that when I say to a girl, uh, he says, please let down your water that I may have a drink. So when I ask her that question and she responds basically word for word like this, drink and I'll water your camels too. Let her be the one you have chosen for your servant Isaac. By this, I will know that you have shown kindness to my master. So this is a huge Request, which we're going to find out in just a minute, because this man had 10 camels. And it's not just, oh, he's got 10 camels, I water the camels too. This is a huge request. And the Bible, it, it, to finish out this scripture, it says, before he had finished praying, I, think, I just think it's, I, I, it's lovely how God responds. Like before he even finished his prayer, he was, she was already there. She comes out with her jar of water on her shoulder. 
Which, by the way, Rebecca's probably holding a two to five gallon jar, probably at the larger, she's holding a five gallon jar uh, to draw water with. And so Rebecca, she's headed to this well, and really long story short for you guys is that she's headed to the well, she gets some water, and the servant asks Rebecca, hey, can I have a drink? And she says word for word, sure, and I'll water your camels too. And it's like, bingo, we've got it, right? We, we found the one. And that might not seem like a lot to you and to me, like, oh, she's, gonna, she's just going to water the camels too. But let me show you how huge this is. Let me show you how generous Rebecca is being here. Because 10 camels, typically when they stop, I, I, researching this this week, 10 camels, when you would stop, you'd want to give them about 20 gallons of water each, which is 200 gallons of water that these camels needed to drink. Not only was there 200 gallons of water, but she had that five, at the biggest, right, the five-gallon jar. So she's 200 gallons with a five-gallon jar is 40 trips for her, back and forth to water these camels. Not only is it 40 trips, but say, those tri- say the camels are fairly close. Like you got to go, you got to dip it, you got you to bring up the water, put it on your shoulder, walk over to the camels and put it down. Say an average trip is about three minutes each. That's at least... An extra two-hour endeavor. Two hours beyond, can I have a drink? Two hours beyond what she, she was already being generous by giving him a drink of water. But two hours extra to water his camels. And I think that this attitude stands in stark contrast between the human nature that we have and quite frankly, the generation we live in too. And I'm talking about myself too, because I feel like with, as, the younger, as a younger generation, we have this attitude of what is the least I can do? What's the least I can do and still be rewarded? I'm not trying to pick on anyone today, but we just have, I just feel like our culture has this entitlement mentality where I, I don't want to have to work, I don't want to have to do anything, but I want you to give to me. I don't want to do anything for it, but I want every, I, I, I want all the blessings that come with it. I think it's so interesting how people want the blessings that God has. They want everything that God has to offer, but they won't spend five minutes in a devotional every day. They won't even talk to him daily. I just think it's so interesting how that works. I, 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 God, I want you to do everything for me but I'm not going to give you any time. I'm not going to give you enough time to do a devotional. I'm not going to serve on a Sunday morning. I'm not going to attend any extra church events. You're talking real Jesus weekend. You mean you want a Friday night and a Saturday morning from me? God, I just can't make that work. I just can't, I just can't do that. I, 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 God, I'm too busy. I can't help my neighbor. I can't help a small business. I can't help someone in need. I'm just, I'm just too busy. But I think it's so interesting that all of us have time enough to do all the other things that we want. We have time enough to spend time with our friends, to spend time on YouTube or Netflix or TikTok or whatever, you're on the DirecTV or Dish Network, whatever you use. We have time enough for that. But yet we still stand and complain that we don't have time to do a devotional or spend any time with God. 
It's the attitude that we live in. We want all of his blessings, but we don't want to give him anything. And I'm convinced that Rebecca would come out of the stands and say, you guys have got it all wrong. You've got it mixed up. It's backwards. Instead, I think Rebecca would encourage us to do the generous things that Jesus talked about. In fact, Jesus talking about this subject of generosity, he said, if someone asks you for their coat, not only do you give them your coat, but you give them your cloak too. He's like, so basically you give them the whole outfit. He's talking about, he says, go, basically go the extra mile. Don't just give them what they ask for, but give them more. And I think that's what Rebecca did. And you can watch that not only did she do it, but afterwards, a miracle would, took, would essentially take place. So we see in this story that here's Rebecca and she's watering the camels and the servant finds out. The servant's like, well, she's the one. She's, she's the one for Isaac. And so the servant, how this story continues is the servant goes out to his camels and he starts unloading all the goods that Abraham sent with him. He pulls out the jewelry and essentially what, what the servant does is basically he, he proposes to Rebecca. And, <laughs> I mean, basically this is what happened. He, he pulls out the jewelry and basically proposes and says, you need to come back with me and, and marry, my, uh, marry my master's son, Isaac. And so he pulls out the jewelry and she says, yes, everybody. I love how that works. It's just, uh, it's in the Bible. So I think it's funny that she hadn't even seen Isaac yet, but she saw the jewels, everybody. And she knew that this was the man, which... Uh, just uh, by the way, guys, take notes. Like, <laughs> like, like listen, I, I just get some jewelry, everybody, and it'll be all right. Just teaching you a lesson, all right? Anyway, uh, <laughs> I just like, she hadn't even seen Isaac, and she's, yeah, I'll, <laughs> I'll do it. I, I, well, here's another funny thing just in this story, kind of a side note. I was talking to some uh, people about uh, this this message uh, this week as I was preparing and it was I was just thinking about it it's funny how culture this part of culture hasn't really changed so we're like it feels like guys want work like guys you know like like Rebecca goes out and waters the camels guys want work and, and the ladies they just want some jewelry everybody <laughs> like it's it's kind of the the same thing it's interesting how culture changes I think it's funny you might not that's all right uh, so anyway <laughs> sight unseen I think it's interesting that that, uh, here he is, and, and she's, she essentially says yes, and uh, she's going to be Isaac's wife. But she only got that, she received that blessing because she took two hours. She went two hours beyond. She, did, she, she didn't just give him a drink of water. She went two hours beyond the call to give generous. And I'm convinced that she would come back and that she would tell us if she was standing right next to me today, I think she would tell us to give generously. In fact, I'm convinced that every person in the stands, every, every person of great faith that has gone before us, I'm convinced that they would come back and say, you have no idea how temporary your life is and what a huge difference you can make when you're generous for the generations to come. And I think if Rebecca was here, I think she would say everything in your life counts. Every step that you take, it counts. So today, with the rest of the time that I've got left with you, I just want to give you a couple things that I would really call the Rebecca principle. And I just want to look at a few things. So if you're taking notes, you can jot these down. Here's the first thing. It says, it's that you can't be generous and legalistic at the same time. 
And some of you, this is, this is going to be the point for you today. Like, I, you've, you've been legalistic, but you can't be generous and legalistic at the same time. In other words, you just can't count it. You've got to stop counting. In fact, generosity isn't a give-to-get mentality. That's not what generosity is. Uh, that, that's the, the wealth and prosperity gospel. And I really do believe that that, that that type of, like, if you give, you're going to get. I believe that that gospel is just, it just, I think it dishonors Jesus because that's not what Jesus talked about. Now, don't get me wrong. God wants you blessed. He, he has a desire to bless you, but he wants you blessed so that you can be a blessing. He doesn't just want to just give you more. Listen, God is looking for a willing heart. And tithing can't be this thing to where we say, oh my gosh, I gotta, I gotta do this or God's gonna curse me. That's, that's not what it's all about. That's not how it works. Listen, Jesus does not curse you. If you didn't know this already, you're already under a curse, everybody. This world is under a curse. Because of sin, we all live under the curse. But the great thing is, is that Jesus wants to rebuke the curse whenever we do give, and he wants to pour a blessing on us. And so if you have that mentality, you might as well not give, because that's not the biblical idea of giving. In fact, not only do you give with, with your, your tithe, with your offerings, not just with your money, but for those of you who serve, you're giving. In fact, for those of you who serve, I did this last service, I'm going to do it again, because probably some of you were serving last service and now in this service. I just want to tell you up front, I love you guys. You people who serve and, and make Real Church what it is, I, I, I love you. It, 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 it's so great. You understand this Rebecca principle. And listen, not just, not just you guys who serve, but I think, I think Real Church as a whole, we, we do really good. I think Real Church just has this willing spirit about, uh, about ourselves. Like, I, in fact, I, I got a phone, I was just thinking about this. I got a phone call literally this week uh, from a guy who just basically said, hey, I know that there's, uh, there's areas to be filled, I use me in whatever way possible, you know, and we, and we talked a little bit about even the tech booth and this guy's not a techie guy at all, but he's like, if I can just push a button whatever I can do, there's that, it's that willing spirit. I just feel like our church just has this willing spirit of just, Hey, what can I do? And I, and, and that's what I want. I want people to just come in here and say, you know what? I love this place. And because I love this place, how much can I invest in it? How much am I able to give? Listen, I, I, I don't want it to be, I don't want you to come in here and be like, oh, I just got to fulfill my obligation this week. Because that's not the right attitude when it comes to giving. In fact, we'll, let's look at it in 2 Corinthians chapter 9. It says, each man should give what he has decided in his heart to give, not reluctantly, not under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. He loves a giver who says, how much can I give to you? How, 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 what, what can I do for you? In fact, I, I read a quote this week. I jotted it down in my notes. It says this, one of the greatest privileges, this guy says, he says, one of the greatest privileges I have is the ability to give. Think about that. Not only does this verse say God loves a cheerful giver, but it says, and, and when, when you give with your heart and when you give cheerfully, it says, then God is able to bless you. And he's able to bless you abundantly. 
so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. Again, I don't want you to get this confused because we don't give to get. But can I tell you that when we do give, it moves the heart of God. When we give and when we're sincere in our heart, man, he wants to bless you abundantly. He wants to make sure that you have all things, everything that you need at all times. That's who our God is. And can I tell you, when you do and when you're generous and, 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 when, and when you have the right attitude about it, he will abound in your marriage. He will abound in your relationships. He will abound in your job. He will abound in your attitude. And I do believe that we serve a very generous God. Who will? He'll just, he, he's looking for someone with a heart like this just to dump blessings on. That's who he wants. But you've got to stop counting. You can't be generous and you can't be legalistic at the same time. Here's point number two is this, is that you can't walk the second mile until you've walked the first. This is a mindset that people have. We have this mindset that we just want it now. And I think that's our generosity mindset too. A lot of us, we don't give, we, 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 don't, we don't offer our, our things to God because we, we have this mindset that I, I just don't, I, I, I just want it now. And I, it, a lot of us, we say, well, I, I'd, give, I, I, I'd give what he has if, if, if I had what he had, you know what I mean? Like, I, 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 I'd give more if I just had what so-and-so had. Well, that's not how it works. The reason so-and-so has what he has is because he's been faithful in the small things. He's been faithful since the beginning. And listen, can I just encourage you? You just need to start with what you do have. Listen, Rebecca didn't have any money. <laughs> All she had was a two to five gallon water jar, right? And she used what she had. And here's what Jesus, here's how I believe Jesus would say it. Here's what he says in Luke 16, 10. He says, whoever can be trusted with very little can also be trusted with very much. And whoever is dishonest with very little will be dishonest with much. This verse actually goes on to say, how the Lord actually is watching how we handle our worldly wealth. And not just with money, because I think this is where it can get confusing. Not just with our money, but he's watching how we use our time. He's watching how we use, how, what, what our attitude is like. He's looking at the opportunities that he's giving us. And Rebecca, I think Rebecca had this figured out because Re Rebecca probably didn't realize that she would be the great, great, great grandma of Jesus. But she knew that if she would just be faithful with what she had, God would bless her. And so that's Rebecca's story is that you can't walk the second mile until you've walked the first. Here's the third thing I believe we can, we can, uh, we can learn from Rebecca. It's this, is that you can't take it with you, but you can sure send it on ahead. Listen, you can't take it with you. I've never seen a U-Haul behind a hearse, everybody. That's not, that's not how a funeral works. They don't pack up your possession. You can't take it with you. In fact, I heard this story uh, this week of a guy who he told his wife, he said, when I die, I want to be buried with all of my money. Just, I want all of my money in my casket with me. 
And before he was buried, they're at the graveside service, right before they were closing the casket and putting him down in the vault. The wife yells and says, wait, 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 wait. I've got a box. I've got to put this box in there. And so she put the box in the casket with him. And later on, the friends are all at the funeral dinner and they're all saying, well, that was really honorable for you to, to honor his wishes and do that. But they just were curious. They're like, did you really put all that money in there with him? And she said, yeah, I did. I wrote him a check. <laughs> ah, you guys getting it now. That's right. It's one smart woman, all right? <laughs> but listen, you can't take it with you. You can't take it with you. You, you, you. you can't. And here's what Jesus would say. Jesus says it much better than I can say it or any joke that I can tell. It says, he says this. He says, do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal it away. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moth and rust and dust do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. Jesus says, it's all right for you to have stuff. It's, it's good for you to have stuff, but at the end of the day, at the end of it all, it's worthless. And so he wants you to have this attitude. He wants you to make eternal investments. And I think Rebecca would understand that. In fact, little did Rebecca know that, that, that two hours, two hours worth of just going beyond the call, beyond the, what, what the servant was asking, two hours, two little hours, Little did she know that it would make her the great-grandma of Jesus. She's actually the 37th great, 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 great. I, I could count them out for you. But she's the 37th great-grandma of Jesus. But little did she know that all she, 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 that two hours, I bet she would have made it four hours if she would have known that. Here's the fourth thing that we can learn from Rebecca. It's this, is that you can't wait for the feeling. It'll follow. This is such a true statement, that not only to generosity, but I think this is just so true in life in general, is that we can't just wait for the feeling that that feeling has, that, that feeling will follow. In fact, I'd put a star next to it and just use it in everything. Listen, when you're tempted, your feelings begin to lie to you. So that's why we don't live by our feelings. We live by principle. Well, so many of you, so many of us, we say, well, well, I just, I just didn't feel led to do it. Just didn't feel led. Well, listen, you need to get the lead out and you need to start listening to Jesus because there's not, a lot of the times, you're not going to feel led to do things. Listen, sometimes I'm like, I, I, you just, you some of us, we just don't feel led to go do different things. We don't feel led to go and start a business. We don't feel led to go and take our next step in our spiritual journey. We don't, we don't feel led to pray every day. But listen, you can't wait for the feeling. It will follow. I don't think Rebecca felt led. I don't, I don't, think, I don't think Rebecca woke up that morning and was like, oh, I can't wait to go and get me some water and then give, that, give a servant a water and then feed and then water 10 camels too. Like, I don't, think, I don't think Rebecca felt led to go out of her way for two hours. She just understood the principle of doing something first and letting her feelings follow. 
In fact, there's a verse in Matthew 6, 21. I think a lot of, a lot of people get this idea wrong. And I think, honestly, I think most of the people that get it wrong are pastors. So I'm trying to get it right for you. Here's what it says. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And I think a lot of us, we misquote this, this idea. We say, well, wherever your heart is, there's your treasure. But that's not what this verse says at all. This verse is actually saying your, your, the money leads, your heart follows. You can't wait for the feeling. It'll follow. What this essentially means is that we make investments. We don't wait for the feeling to give. We're giving out of a decision to be generous. And can I tell you that your feelings will lie to you, but decisions will stick. All right, everybody? Listen, you can't wait for the feeling. The feeling will follow. And I think just before Rebecca goes back up into the stands, before we, before we send her back to heaven, everybody, I think Rebecca would say just a few different things to us. Um, and I, I think she would leave us with some final words of encouragement. I think one of the things before she goes back, I think she would say even the smallest acts of generosity make a difference. The smallest acts. Listen, Rebecca... She only had, it was only water, and it was only two hours. That's all she had. Listen, if she, I, I think if she knew she, she was going to get that jewelry and be the, be the grandma of Jesus, everybody, I bet she would have doubled it. I bet she would have went four hours feeding those camels. Like, I, 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 she just didn't realize how small that act was, how, how, much of a, how much of an impact it would make on her life. And listen, you don't either. A lot of us, we don't understand how even the smallest acts of generosity make a difference. Listen, the tip that you give, the hug that you give, the encouraging words that you give, listen, it doesn't have to be your money. It can be a, a note that you leave, an email that you send, a text that you send, a phone call that you give. Listen, it, it, it can be any one of the smallest acts make a difference. I truly do believe that our church has, is very well, uh, does, does really good at this. I think it's a part of our church culture to be generous. In fact, I just encourage every church member, imagine if hundreds of us this week would go out and every single day of the week, what, what if we went out and just did something generous every day? Not just financially, but that text or phone call, whatever it is, imagine what a difference we could make. Which by the way, there's several of, of uh, really our real team members that do this already. Like, I, I just want to publicly thank all the real team members who worship one and serve one. Like, a lot of you guys, you're here all day. <laughs> like, some of us, we get here at 7 o'clock in the morning, and we don't leave until 1 o'clock at, at the, in the afternoon. But listen, it's because you understand the idea that, that what you're doing is making an investment. And every single person on that team, they understand the investment. Listen, they know that because of what they did today, people's lives are being changed. Because of, listen, because of that coffee they made, because of the camera they ran, because of the instrument that they played, because of the baby that they held, listen, they were all uh, important. Uh, they were a very important part of the process to people coming to Jesus today. It was an important part. And I just want to thank you, real team members. You, you, you're here all day. And you serve. 
Thank you for being so generous. You understand, you get this Rebecca principle. In fact, that's why Jesus would say this. Jesus says, if anyone even gives a cup of cold water to one of these little ones, because he is my disciple, I tell you the truth, he will certainly not lose his Reward, And a lot of us, whenever we think of reward, we're like, oh, I, I, I need, I, it's a reward here and now. But in the Greek, this literal Greek word for reward here literally means that Jesus is going to pay us back in heaven. You're going to have a heavenly reward. And so when you give, you, you, you get this heavenly reward. Here's the last, one of the last things I think Rebecca would tell us. I think it's this, is that when you give, the impact of your generosity often outlives you. Maybe you don't know this, but listen, it just keeps going. I would just invite you to think about how it impacts the generation to come. Which, by the way, I, 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 I would have shared this verse with you. Uh, let, me, let me share this verse first with you. In John 4, 38, it says, I've sent you to reap what you have not worked for. You're harvesting things in your life that you haven't worked for. That others have done, others have done the hard work for you and you've reaped the benefits of their labor. Which by the way, I think that's a lot of what real church is. Listen, we've only been around for two years, but long before we came to Murfreesboro, there was a group, there was groups of people that have prayed and that have asked God for revival, that have asked God for, 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 for just spiritual growth in this region. And we just showed up and I just feel like we just showed up and we just, we brought the combine out, everybody. We're just having a, a spiritual harvest, but it's, it's not because we're awesome. It's because we're reaping what other people have sown. We're reaping what other great people of faith in our community have, have they, they've prayed, they've fasted, and they've dreamed about something, a, a change that would happen in this region. And I just want to publicly say that we honor all of those people who have gone before us, who have said, you know what, I, who, who, have, who have prayed the prayers, who have done the fasting, who have waited to see this come to pass. And listen, that's really what it is. We're reaping, as a church, we're reaping what we haven't even worked for, but it's been set up for us been set up for us. And that's what happens when you give. You have no idea what the generosity, you have no idea the impact the generosity has and how it outlives you. And the final thing that I think Rebecca would give us is this, is that when you give, give to the Lord. This is a pretty basic principle, but I just want to share this verse as we close today. Matthew 25, 40. I tell you the truth, whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers of mine, you did it for me. And I just want to say to all of those who you give financially to this church, for those of you who held that baby, ran that camera, played that instrument, made that coffee today, you didn't do it just so we would be awesome, you know. You did it for Jesus. You did it so that people would come to know him. Amen, everybody. Amen. Are you stirred today? Are you stirred? Are you stirred to make an eternal impact? I hope you are. Let's pray. Father, today, God, would you just stir us as a congregation, God, to make an eternal impact. God, that even when we can't see it, 
God, we, we, we don't know how far our generosity goes. But God, I pray that you would just continue to give us the faith and strength to do that. God, help us see that even the smallest acts of generosity make a difference in our life. God, today we declare that we are not waiting for a feeling. We won't wait anymore, but we decide that we're going to go first and that our feelings will follow. We thank you for being so generous to us. God, we thank you that, that you were so generous enough to give your son, your only son, to die in our place. God, he died a death that we deserved. And God, nothing could replace that. God, the ultimate act of giving and generosity, we thank you that it came from you first. And God, that we just follow that example. Lord, we love you. We thank you. With your heads bowed, eyes closed, still yet. There's those of you in here who you haven't given your life to Jesus. Well, today can be the day. The Bible says that if you just believe in your heart and you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, that you will be saved. I'm going to give you that invitation today. What you need to know is that the God of the universe sent his only son, Jesus, to die in your place, a death that you deserved on a cross. But he didn't stay dead. Three days later, he rose from the dead. He defeated death, hell, and the grave. And today, he gives you that same power. He offers it to you. The Bible says that the same power that raised Christ from the dead can live inside of you. It starts with a simple step of you just confessing that. If you'd like to give your heart to Jesus today, you want to begin a relationship with him. This is what it's all about. We're going to give you that opportunity to do that. If you're watching online, if you're in this room, in just a minute, we're going to pray a simple, short prayer. If you pray it and you mean it, the God of the universe will live inside of you. If you're in person with us, would you just do me a favor? If that's you, we're not going to invite you to come to the front or stand up or make a speech or anything. All, we want, all I want to know is just know who I'm praying for. If that's you and you want to give your heart to Jesus today, on the count of three, would you just slip up your hand? just so I know who I'm praying with. Are you ready? All of those in this room, you say, I want to recommit my life to Christ. I want to give my life to Christ. You ready? One, two, three. Lift your hands all over this place. Thank you. Thank you. Church, because we believe in this prayer, let's pray this all together. Repeat this after me. Say, dear God, thank you for sending your son, Jesus, to die on a cross for me. But I believe that you raised him from the dead. Jesus, I make you my Lord. I give you my life. Thank you for saving me. Thank you for giving me the Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, everybody said amen. Would you give it up for all the people who prayed that prayer this morning? Thank you for listening to The Real Church Podcast. If you would like to partner with us financially or you live in the Southern Illinois area and would like to attend our weekly gathering, you can check out realchurch.info.